Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I want to remind you that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It does not constitute working with a licensed mental health professional. And do seek out one in your area to work on your unique issues. So for this special episode, we are continuing with what we started with our earlier special episode with William O'Taylor. This time we have the other co-editor of We Belong. That is Victor T. Kearney. Victor is a writer and a Prism Comics board member. As a comic writer, he created the successful fantasy horror webcomic Strange Lore. He is also the co-host and co-creator of Megasheen, a podcast on geekdom and queer culture from a Q-Pac perspective. Also, Victor is a constant uh, panelist at WonderCon and San Diego Comic-Con, discussing diversity and inclusion in comics. Victor, welcome to Untying Knots. Thank you for having me. Great. Great to have you. And it was a joy to talk to William, and I'm looking forward to our conversation as well as uh, we continue to bring forth We Belong. But before we get into We Belong, how did you get here? Well, how did I get here? Um, well, I've always, I've always loved fantasy. I've always loved horror. I've always loved those types of stories. I feel like that's a way to escape. Um, and when I was a kid, I started like drawing stories because I wasn't ready to write them. So I would just draw out mm-hmm. some have notebooks of just stories with no words, but I knew what was going on. Um, And I just always felt like I was a storyteller and I Mm. wanted to find ways to really convey that gift um, in some form or fashion. So I was always writing stories and then drawing stories. And the next thing you know, um, I moved here in Los Angeles and I worked at um, USC and they have a very powerful film program. And I luckily got in for the summer program for screenwriting. And that just kind of opened my world up to like, Hey, I could actually do this and really enjoy telling stories in this medium. But um, I also love comics. I grew up with comics. I've been reading comics since I was 13. And so I took that opportunity to take a script that I wrote strange lore and make that a comic. And so after searching for, you know, artists and, and and everything that you need to get a comic together, we got it together, we got the money together. And it's been something that has really, you know, took off in ways I did not really expect. Um, and it really kind of put me in a place where I needed to continue telling stories. So um, now I'm using that time when I'm not working in higher ed, um, to create stories, really get stuff out there, really make sure people are seeing themselves in the stories. Because one of the other things I really wanted to do is make sure that queer Black people were seen and heard in these different genres. So that is one of the things that I really wanted to do. And it pushed me to be more into comics, into storytelling to a point where if you're going to, if Black and queer and comics come together somewhere, I'm going to be seen in that. So mm-hmm. I want to say that's how I kind of got into it all. That's how I'm in it. That's something that I hope to stay in until I pass away. 
<laughs> well, good to hear. So let's talk more about the piece that you guys are creating now. And just realize I don't have that link open on, on my computer. But uh, we're talking about We Belong, which is a piece that's right now up on Zoop, which is a gr uh, group crowdfunding program. And we'll have the link in the uh, description. But uh, hopefully if you listen to William's presentation, you heard me talk about it a bit more there. But how did We Belong come together? Because it is a Black queer sci-fi fantasy anthology. It was something I always wanted to see, and I didn't see that um, anywhere. As I was getting into comics, as I was doing these panels about inclusion and diversity and equity, I did not see that effort put into a book that would showcase more of us in the genres. Um, and I would see different type of queer books that would come out anthologies. They may have had maybe one or two Black people involved. Mm -hmm. There was one that was people of color, so it was a mix of everyone, but nothing that was really queer and Black. And as a, as a person growing up, I didn't really see myself reflected in any of the stories I was reading in the first place. So I felt like I can't complain about something and not do anything about it. So I needed to like make sure it happened. So I talked to William. I was like, William, how would you feel if we did something like this? We get a book together that showcase um, different Black and queer artists and creators that tell stories that we're not often in, that we're not really included in. And William was down for it. And William is a, an amazing editor. And I was like, if I need anybody who's going to do this well, I need William to be a part mm -hmm. of it. But it was something that I felt like it was time that we that, that needed to be out there because it's nothing out there. We did, I think this is the first um, Black and queer anthology out there uh, when it comes to comics. And so I wanted to make sure that something was done and this and, and nothing that would this is not really about my ego. This is more about I wanted something done. So when a black queer kid is looking for something, there is mm -hmm. they can pick up. There is mm -hmm. something they can look at, they can see different artists, they can see different creators, they can see different stories, they can see something that they can identify with. Um, and as I always say to people, like again, this is way bigger than me. This is more about the community. And I want to make sure that we get the people needed to make this book happen, but also make sure that we're celebrated in these stories. So mm -hmm. that's why I really wanted it to be done. I want us to be celebrated. Any any in any way possible, I really want us to be celebrated. Very nice. Yeah. And yeah, to think about it as you're saying, many other queer produced material which, as we know, is pretty much white-centric. Mm -hmm. Very. Let alone looking at the intersection that we have as having the idea of both being queer and also dealing with being Black. Very. And one of the things that I also noticed is there's still gatekeeping happening, where it's like even when the queer artists and creators get together, they, it's, it's kept within a certain group. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I noticed, and I was like, well, that's very interesting. And I was also really kind of bothered by it because it was like in order for, you know, for us to be seen, what do they have to do to be noticed? If there, if there's a group that's kind of gatekeeping and kind of keeping it within their own groups or the idea is we want to get successful queer artists and creators involved, you're still leaving people who still need that opportunity out in the cold. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did with 
we belong is we didn't want to focus on let's get the top black queer people to be in this book. Let's get black and queer artists that may not be heard and seen as much as so many others. Let's really open those doors so they can get the exposure. Again, this is way bigger than William myself. This is really about us. And I really want the people who have been really doing the work to be celebrated. And I feel like if in order for them to do that, if we can find them, because it was a little tough to find everybody, but if we can gather them, get them out there, things can really change in ways that they become people that are sought after and look, you know, and and, and anticipate it when it comes to their work. So that I really wanted to make sure that we kind of break that gatekeeping part of our queer community when it comes to comics and really open the door to let brand new people who are really talented, really have a lot to offer to shine for once. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, because there also becomes that issue that sometimes, or oftentimes we don't sometimes get to talk about is that standpoint of who's keeping the door open and who's keeping the door closed. Yeah. And sadly, that happens obviously for us as Black people, but also as us for queer people. And that's not any different when it's happening for what we intersect as well mm-hmm. so can you tell me a little about some of the stories and, and, and artists that you were able to find that are going to be coming up in in this well we have a few people like for example we have eggs is going to tell kind of you know a story that kind of takes us you know in the fantasy world we have um valerie complex who's going to give us a little bit of kind of mythology story um, mm-hmm. I'm putting a lot of stuff vague because I really want people to be excited for it. Right. Um, we also have stories that's going to involve, you know, mermen, fairies. Uh, we're going to space. We're um, dealing with aliens, uh, or, or we're taking aliens in a way that kind of talks about um, going into areas where they're, rep- you know, kind of changing the community um, that has been abandoned. And I think about communities that. You think about how ghettos were made and how we were treated mm-hmm. in situations. So someone has really taken the opportunity to use that as a way of talking about how we rebuild a community. Um, we have different stories. Everything's coming to everything's running together now, but we have different <laughs> stories that talk about queer heroes, um, black queer heroes that are coming together, like, hey we should work together, but actually really celebrating who they are as individuals. Um, and another story uh, Trevor is, is is creating is really get into African mythology mm-hmm. uh, and kind of, you know, we'll touch a little bit of, you know, of, of sex, but also the, the whole fantasy mythology part of what it means when these cultures really combine all these different things, African mythology, sex, mm-hmm. all that together. So it's, that looks really good. Um, um, we just kind of previewed that story. So these stories are really going to, I believe, really challenge the the idea that, that we belong in this genre, that it's going mm-hmm. to sh- we can tell so many different stories. We can celebrate different things that you may not really thought about, or you may not believe that we can be a part of. And the neat thing is for a lot of queer people, black queer people, this is a chance to see us in different things. We're not downtrodden. We're not going through any problems. We're not, you know, being abused. This is us in a whole different light. This is us in a whole different uh, world or worlds um, where you see mm-hmm you know, 
really living out the endless possibilities of what it is that we can be as Black queer people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't always have to be the coming out story that is so ubiquitous and is also so tiresome, <laughs> even though there are still people who get to experience that, that, but there's still the aspect of how do we deal with the rest of our lives, yeah. especially after we've come out and dealt with those experiences. Those are stories we need to hear about as well. Mm-hmm. And especially the conversation I've recently had where it's like, what does it mean for an aging Black queer population to be? What what are the stories that, that fits there, not just in the aspect of the young and youthful? Yeah. And that's the neat thing. We have uh, so many different people involved that are coming from different age groups that are giving us stories from their perspective, but also really kind of, you know, showing a different way. The whole thing about elders, the whole thing about, you know, young people and the changing of the tide, a lot of that is going to be reflected in some of the stories that you'll see and we belong in. That's, again, one of the things I'm really excited about is to see the generations involved in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So, because I, I also think about what this represents both in a general shift in the media, but in some ways, too, um, what's needed more the media, because, I mean, for those that have seen, like, Pose, which was a major show when it came, when it started and and such, we don't usually get much of those stories for ourselves. And if anything, I can see the hollow Hollywood um, uh trap doors keeping a lot of material from getting forward that isn't all necessarily pc'd enough yeah uh, to use a, a colloquial that the medium of the comic books and the graphic novels would be one of the places where we can produce more of this at. Mm-hmm. yeah and again there's no barriers per se when it comes to mm-hmm. comic worlds because we can just go all over the place mm-hmm. um this a great self-exploration as an artist to really take that 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 medium and just kind of do whatever you want to do with that and again i can't express enough how many of the artists are really just excited to just be free and to tell mm-hmm. a story and again not telling a, a story that you know as we go into the trappings of many black queer stories like again with the downtrodden and just long mm-hmm those things it's coming from a place of joy some of these stories will be coming from places of joy that will really celebrate us again as creators and i'm just so excited about what that will look like once it's awful in one big collection very nice so when i last looked at it I, it's really been a little bit before I, when i last looked at the website how is it going right now because i will say this won't, won't be airing until about the last week of the uh campaign but how is it going so far well, we're over half. Um, Good. Over half. Um, we're almost there. Um, as we are reaching our, you know, our limit—not our limit, but reaching our goal. Um, and it's nice, you know, to be like we're over half. We have about thirteen days to go, and it's the, you know, there's always that weirdness of the last what five days. Everything just starts happening, but I'm really curious to see where we go um mm-hmm. last minute and what will happen um i'm very hopeful that we'll be funded i'm very hopeful that we will get everything that we need um but 15 15 is a lot to ask Fifteen thousand is a lot to ask but hope you know luckily we've gotten so far and that's why i really believe we'll probably close this out really well mm-hmm. uh, and then hopefully this will 
garner enough um, support for our next one because we have talked about doing a series of these um, mm-hmm. that will showcase different things like erotica or um you know, just basic storytelling or just kind of getting other genres horror um, to where we're just, again, celebrating the works that we do. Mm-hmm. So what goes into some of the creating materials like this that for those who are interested in eventually doing this for themselves and continuing to this legacy of producing material like this, what goes into it just from in a ballpark uh, principle? Well, you know, it, if you're doing it for yourself, it goes a lot of self-awareness plays a big role. You need to know mm. what love, what you're willing to do, how much of yourself you're putting into this project. Um, when you are working with many others, you are thinking mostly about them. You're thinking about how this is going to be impactful for them, how they are feeling supported through this process, um, giving them feedback to make sure that they're telling the story they want to tell, but also that is conveyed very well on the page. Um, and just, you know, it's not hurting cats, but it's getting everybody together. Um, mm-hmm. to be, hey, and I always make jokes that, you know, a lot of us as artists, time is a, is, is a, a myth because, you know, we, we're not the most timely of people um but at the same time uh it's it's really fun when you're working with people who are just seeing things in a different way or just really out of the box um so i will say when it comes to projects like this you have to be very self-aware you have to be um very open to different ideas and you have to be flexible um and you have to be very understanding that it's not about you. It's about everybody coming together to make a project happen. And it takes everybody to do that. It takes everybody to understand what you're putting out there in the universe. It's very important. And once you kind of get into that mode, it becomes easier to to complete what you need to do to make it happen. Hope that made sense, but yeah. No, and for those that where the skill is an organization, I'm sure they will recognize it. And for those that aren't, that have to say the art skill, now understand what what what's the thing that you need to counterbalance yourself with. Yeah. So I'm curious then too, since I work in mental health and then uh, identity uh, is one of the biggest things we also have to deal with, especially with queer youth. But even I think too for some of the adults, especially who are coming out later in life mm-hmm. and recognizing themselves as queer, I'm curious. What do you think are some of the mental health impacts let alone the role of mental health that's going on in some of these stories i think because we haven't been seen or we don't feel that we are a part of genres like fantasy and sci-fi it's going to be an interesting awakening of like we can be here we can be seen in this genre um we can accept it because I think sometimes when we have not been a part of something, it's hard for us to kind of believe it or see it or mm-hmm. even support it. Um, but I think what this will do is kind of change people's view of who we are as creators and, and, and artists, but also for the creators, artists themselves, they, they can see the possibility. They can kind of break those barriers of um, not, thinking they deserve to be in these spaces. Um, mm-hmm. the, that, the, I can't think the, the word, the syndrome, the 
that we all get into sometimes, and I can't think of the name right now. It just slipped my mind. But the imposter syndrome is very mm-hmm. real. A lot of Black queer creators and artists, because we quit, we second guess ourselves because again we haven't been at the table. I think what this book can possibly do is maybe crack a little bit of that syndrome to people can see that no, we do belong in this. We can tell great stories. We have stories to tell. Um, mm-hmm. Be in this, if not running it. Um, I always joke that you know, you put Black people into something, we will either run it or be the best at it. And that's like, you know, you think about tennis, you think about Serena and Venus, you think about Mm -hmm. basketball, but you also think about when we are, you know, if we're in government or whatever, we are on the run, we're going to do it well, we're going to be strong about it, and we'll be revered for it in a way that it's like respected, but also, I don't want to say feared, but actually, but um, people know not to take things for granted. So I think what this can possibly do for our mental health is maybe change what we have always thought and maybe see the the possibilities of what we can be. Mm. Uh, so I know for myself, it has really hyped me up to really, to really understand the power that we really had um, and how people will see that power in, in the pages and the art and the stories. Mm. And I really hope that that is something that even if it, you're still mired deep in like doubt or whatever. This is kind of give a little bit of hope or a little bit of crack of that, of that, that um, shield to kind of see the difference and the possibilities with that. Beautiful. Very much so. So I'm curious how with the mega sheen, how has this been received over there too? Um, Really good. Um, I, I like that when we have, Nick and I have conversations. We're talking about it in a perspective that's not also hurt. Again, you you think about a lot of geek perspectives. It's often white, mm-hmm. uh, but we are given a perspective that kind of gets a little bit deeper. Because if we are in, if we are involved or not involved, and mostly as as Black queer people in this, we're still able to really speak our piece. Um, it's almost like how people talk about Taylor Swift and how people talk about mm-hmm. Beyonce. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how we see things is going to be very different how other people see things. So mm-hmm. I think my perspective when we talk about like um, the Avengers or any superhero movie or superhero characters or even video games or tech, I think our perspective kind of is different than what most people have because we are seeing it from a queer lens. We're seeing it from a black lens um, to where it may not be. Um, as simple as like Superman is the greatest hero on earth. We may say, well, Superman is this. Um, mm-hmm. is the greatest thing. We may say, uh, we may say Batman's a fascist or something like that. We will right. see differently. Um, and I think people kind of like that conversation of just seeing something different, but but hearing different perspectives on things that they probably grew up with, you know, or they enjoy watch, but they never probably thought that much deep until they kind of hear what we're talking about at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much on some, something I was just quickly reading because uh, I'm working on a project that I just sent it off the, for a first editing pass, and they're asking, like, why is this character, if they have a maid, traveling in third class, not even thinking about the racism of that time? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this, char- this character has to, even though they've got the wealth to travel first class because of the race coding they're stuck in third class yeah 
but that conceptual thought that that was a normality for us and then throw in if they were queer too yeah think about that just because the socioeconomic status says one place but not the other yeah and you know you think about that you think about history i always think about dorothy dandridge when she mm-hmm. was the top of her thing still had to go through the back um mm-hmm. Could not be in the pool, you know. Certain things that affected us when we're at, back then, when we we're at the height of our careers. Still, we were treated as third class citizens. Mm-hmm. And a project like this is showing that we're not third class citizens. We're just as present and uh, upfront in first class as everybody else. Yes, very much so. Very yeah. much. So. So I think that's a perfect place for us to take a break here. So stay tuned, folks, for uh, more on our second half. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family care therapist. Here with Victor Kernan. I may be mispronouncing your last name. I apologize. Uh, Here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. We'll be back shortly. and can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at voice america talk radio and see what we're cooking up for you our lives in the world around us can get messy and frustrating untangle and grow counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks, to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Victor Kernan. How have, how, have, how have I been mispronouncing <laughs> your last name? I do that with sadly with so many people. <laughs> it's, it's Kearney. It's Kearney. Yeah. Okay. That was close. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about 
We Belong, which is a piece that's presently on Zoop for crowdfunding. And for those that are not as familiar with, uh, say, comics and graphic novels, one of the things that sort of classically comes up is that the cover art doesn't always look like the same in the book. So can we talk a little bit about that cover art? So the cover we have um, is a celebration of us and all the different genres. Um, and it was done by Jay Hero, who when I envision a cover, I wanted Jay Hero to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Jay is an amazing artist. Um, and y'all can look him up, Jay Hero. And it's J-A-Y Hero. Um, he's just really embodies characters, blackness, um, magic, uh, superhuman, all those things that we love in this in those genres. He does that very well in his art. And so um the moment we were able to get him, I was so excited. And when he showed us the cover art, it was just this beauty of there we are, different sizes, different tones um, of us in um, fantasy and sci-fi kind of looking towards looking up because we can only go up we can only go mm-hmm. further and just seeing us in that light is very beautiful and it's very eye-catching so when people see it i think it will be something that kind of you know hopefully gives people that that sense of hope and promise that we will be out there seen and heard and respected so that cover was just amazing when he gave it to us um Mm -hmm. it's it's a toned down version there was like a like a fairy added to it and hopefully we may still get a little bit of that and like an additional piece but there was just a lot with it that just really just conveys so much promise and hope that that i got from it i hope people really get Mm -hmm. something you see that cover but again jay hero did an awesome job and i hope when, when when people see it or hold that book um it just kind of gives them that sense of hope and promise. Very nice. Yeah. Actually, can you speak to that aspect of why do the covers never look like the, anything, like a scene from inside the comic book or the oh. graphic novels? Well, just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's a little bit of, you know, they want that, you know, people take a different artistic view of how that cover is going to portray the rest of that book. Um, I know when I did Strange Lore, I wanted to convey the relationship between the characters. So, mm-hmm. um, they're holding each other, but also they're floating ab- above the city. So I wanted people uh-huh. to feel like there's magic involved with this, but there's also magic within these two young men who are who find themselves in a very interesting predicament. Um, to, but they also have time for romance in between this man uh-huh. and, that is happening. So I think a lot of times we want to convey what the overall theme of the book is through. Um, the cover. Um, sometimes people get it, some people don't. But I think it's more of like just trying to make sure you understand the theme of what you're getting into. Whether mm-hmm. it's see a horror or sci-fi, you're you're seeing like it's going to be this type of story. It's going to convey this type of message. So that's why I would say it's you know when you look at covers, you like how's this different? Is it different than movie covers? You know, you will see uh, movie posters. You Like for Barbie, you see her all excited, but you will know that there's a deeper thing that's going to happen to her as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, that, that would be my answer about why it doesn't match the story. Or the art. Sometimes we really want a strong artist to really push that the, the, the theme of the book. Um, and in the comics world, you know, some people are known to be 
amazing cover artist. So you want to get that person to really push it to entice people to read the rest of the book. But I would say mm-hmm. try to get someone and make sure your artist who's doing all of the pages, that they're close at least. Mm-hmm. So, well, bamboozle. <laughs> they got like, oh, the cover is great, but the rest of the art, you know, make sure you get somebody who's like able to convey what you really want the story to tell moving forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. So to my earlier question about putting the material together like this, what uh, what's the uh, expected time, especially with crowdsource material, what's the expected time for this to be released in people's hands? So once we get the funding, we will, you know, as everybody, as a stories turn in and we are going through the editing process, we're hoping to get stuff out, hoping to get stuff out near the, as we get closer into the middle of the end of the year to where hopefully November, December, we are able to have the book ready to go. And then as this fall, I mean, as fall, as the spring hits, especially as we think about like WonderCon and Comic-Con with the book is out and ready, we can sell it at those particular venues. So that's the hope. I may be totally off. Um, but you know, and a lot of times with these, you may be off a month or two. That's just how it goes because of printing, mm-hmm. shipping and changes and all that type of stuff. So we will hope to stay within that frame of getting stuff out and ready to go either by the end of the year or the beginning of next year. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's always tech issues no matter what. Yeah. So I don't like you like make promises. I'm like, we'll just, we're aiming for that, but we'll keep everybody aware and abreast of any changes that stuff that happens. Very good. So as you mentioned, trying to get this out for WonderCon and Comic-Con, which are two of the biggest conventions, at least here on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for the East Coast. You've presented at some of those. What's that been like? Oh, it's, you know, it's fun, you know, especially when you're trying to um, really hit a message out there. Like we want to talk about inclusion and we want to talk about diversity and equity. Um, it's always fun because I'm the type of person that I don't care how many people are in the room. The people who are there are there for a reason and they want to hear what you have to say. So I try to gather, if I'm hosting the panel, I try to gather people who really have something to say, really have things to offer. Or if I'm a part of a panel, I'm always you know excited to hear what my colleagues have to say. Um, and it's always fun to hear their perspective of things, whether we, whether we agree or disagree, I love just having those conversations and really engaging the audience um, as a part of that too. So that's always a fun thing to be um, active in, um, to do. Um, Cause you know, you can, for, for me, you can only walk around the floor for so long, but mm. the opportunity to really talk about some issues that really affect people that want the best for that genre, then, you know, that's always okay for me. But also going to different panels to hear other people is very, very eye-opening about, you know, the business of working in comics, the business of creating these stories um, and hearing their perspective of how they put stories together, how they get it out there and what is their perspective of, you know, what is best for any group they're in, whether they're Latinx or Native American, hearing their perspective of what it is to tell stories and get that out there, that's also very beneficial and how I do my work as well. 
Nice. Yeah, 2022 was the first chance I finally got to go to Comic-Con and uh, get that off my bucket list, which was quite an experience just walking around and just seeing the diversity of people there <laughs> as well as the I mean, the age range. I mean, I, there are clearly couples in their like 50s and 60s. I mean, I don't know if this was their retirement trip, but they were here at Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. So, to go through all of that, through all the stuff that was there, not to mention the stuff that had the kids and strollers. Yeah, I mean, it's something for everybody there. Um, even people who are not that into comics, there's still something out there for them. So mm-hmm. Always a good event. It's I've been going since 2009, and <laughs> it's weird to think back. Like, oh, oh my god, all these years I've been going, but it's. But I get rejuvenated when I'm there. You know, the energy is very promising. It's exciting. The people are very, you know, fun to be around and to talk to. Even though it's really crowded, it feels like you're at um, Times Square every day while you're there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it's really, really fun. And it's, it's really engaging. And it's an experience that I always look forward to every year. Very nice. And the, the the diversity of the panels you're on, how do you find yourself in that? Because I can see that there's also the standpoint of what audience is actually there to listen for that versus, you know, mm-hmm. just the escapism. Yeah. Um, when I put when I put panels together, I try to really look at people who has you know who has really something to offer to the conversation. Um, to make sure that, you know, we're talking about different things that even challenges myself. I try not to get people who are very similar in thinking to me. I want to like set different views here so we can have a good conversation. I think when I'm on a panel, I've been asked to be on the panel. I like to kind of make sure that the people on the panel really are going to not hold back and really share their experiences, really talk about how things need to change. And we all can agree on making those changes and how do we go about them but we may disagree about different viewpoints of like for example i was on a panel where someone thought that certain movies were great and i was like oh no i don't think they were great and this is why like having those conversations are really Mm -hmm. the 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 people who are there want to hear different opinions they want to see like oh i never thought about that or i i I like this, but I don't, or I do like this, but I didn't look at it from that perspective. So I think when the audience are there, they are really hoping to not be completely, um, you know, maybe not get all the things like everybody to agree on things that they like, but maybe be challenged on why they like it and might and why they might want to open their mind to different things. So I think overall that you know people go to these panels to really be challenged to really understand the differences about how we may see things. But I think as panelists, we also want to hear others um, in a sense of like what these conversations really mean, if that makes sense. Um, uh-huh. and, and also how to really kind of push the em- the envelope to where it's like, we are, only hitting the surface, but we hope this continues a conversation that will move beyond um, the cons or maybe continue in the next con we come back a year later. So we've done that too. Um, I hosted a Black and Queer um, um, panel at Comic-Con where we will touch on something this year, 
And then we'll hit on, like, we might talk about, we'll see what happens in a year from now and we'll come back to it a year from now. Like, so we talked about it before. This is where we are now. Have we moved or are we going back? So, you know, it's, it's, you never know what you really get when you're in these panels, but I, I will say you do get some sense of education about where we are when it comes to um, if we're moving forward or backwards in, in, the, in the discussion of diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And that's also one that gets continued in We Belong as well. Yeah. And again, like I, you know, I really hope this book becomes that, that inkling of something that that we put out in the universe that really kind of helped change things moving forward. Mm. Good. I know we touched on a little earlier in the first half, but from your perspective, what do you think are some of the myths and realities of mental health when especially comes to being black and queer? That we're always strong. Um, That we're always strong, but but we also have been through so many things. Mm-hmm. that our stories have to be like, oh my God, we were dragged through the mud and all this. We don't have a Molly Wingrald story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, it was just happened, you know, a good day and then this happened. It has to be, you know, we're almost like Sealy and in color purple. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of the myth they have about us is we either started, and sadly, being honest here, I think when it comes to publishing, they want us to tell those particular stories. They don't want us to tell a different type of stories. They want us to be, you know, I look at people memoirs. I'm like, why does we have to start with all this tragedy? Not all of us went through tragedy. I did not grow up mm-hmm. in, I did not grow up in poverty. I didn't grow up in ways that they have perceived us. And I think it's time to have a diversity of, a, of that type of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of this, being black you know black people are not a monolith we don't have the same experiences um and as a kid growing up watching a different world that was kind of an eye-opening to me like different types of Mm -hmm. black i grew up in the south so to see different types of black people was very eye-opening and inspiring to me so i think uh the biggest myths going back to the original part of your question the biggest myths are either we're strong but we just been through the ringer Mm -hmm. um and we had and those are the only stories that we could ever have, you know. And I'm just like, no, there's we could be villains, we can be, we can just have a great day, we can just, you know, we can be many things. And I think that that is a horrible myth or myth that they have about us that that plays a part in in why we can why our stories have not been told. Because if we're not mm-hmm. telling particular stories, we may not have those opportunities. Um, and I see that in books too. I see a lot of that. I'm like, okay, why does it? They have to lose their mom. They have to be kicked out. They have to be all these things. It doesn't have to be like that. Again, they could be. I'm just having a great day in school, and now I learned that I'm a witch. You know, like something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to, those myths. I just wish they can go away. Right, because they're the actual exception. They're the ones that are outside the bell curve, so to speak, yeah. about what the rest of our existences are. And I can definitely add to the mental health, the aspect of we want to be able to talk about more than just those mm-hmm. places to normalize that people do have good days, that yeah. man, their lives aren't all that. And 
that it's the only thing that they can make meaning about who and why they're existing in the world, mm-hmm. both whether they are falling into the PTSD and seeing their life spiral downward or going to post-traumatic growth where they're mm-hmm. spiraling upwards towards the light. Yeah, we're more than our pain. And I think that that's something I want to really change and even change within the Black queer community because I feel like a lot of Black queer people don't maybe don't realize they're selling their pain more than anything else. Mm-hmm. There's, more, there's, there's more to you than that. That yes, we all went through our things, but there's also the joy that's in that journey. And let's talk about that more. Let's talk more about the things we've learned about ourselves, how we have grown from that, but not just keep the misery at the forefront. You know, don't let that be the heavy bear and be like, yes, I went through this, but this is what I'm learning. This is where I'm going. These are the the the, the nuggets that I'm that I'm learning along the way. And these are what is keeping me you know, excited about the future. So those are things I would like for us to change and and when it comes to storytelling and about us in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have to have, quote unquote, trauma porn. Our lives aren't trauma porn. Yeah. Yeah, we, like, it doesn't have to be that way. And we don't have to use that as a storytelling um, method to do that. So, yes, I'm saying to a lot of Black and queer writers who have leaned on that a lot, to put that aside and give us something different, give us something new. And consider next time we do a call for submissions to uh, try and put those other stories out there because there is a place for them. Yeah, and not to not to say that you can't tell stories or I'm, I'm pissing on that. It's just I really want us to not use it as a way to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, challenge that format to where, no, I'm going to get in by telling you my sweet 16 story, you know, or something like Mm -hmm. that. I need to tell you about how I was abandoned. I'm going to tell you about how my birthday is coming up and what goes on in between that, the the week before and the day of. So, you know, I have that to that level. Yeah. And at that point it's like, okay, let's see a few John Hughes movies like that about things and have our Molly ring walls for that so yeah and that's something that i feel as a creator and writer that i want to do um i i, I worked on a manuscript where there is a character who's just had you know they had a great life queer both you know got the both parents black living in long mm-hmm. beach and then like oh by the way your family comes from a long line of black witches and warlocks like and get ready for that big change like that you can get into a place mm-hmm. where, like there's no misery, there's challenges and, you know, a lot of adventure, but the character are, is not going in just bruised and battered. They're going in uh-huh. with a perspective of life that will help them get through this process. Very good. All righty. So where can people find more of you, the We Belong? Because I know I've mentioned Zoop, but here, let's have that pitch of well, contact. You know, if you're looking for more stories that are really celebrating 
Blackness, queerness, all of it together in ways you never thought you would see. You know, you should back. We belong. Um, we're on Zoop. You can look us up on Zoop and it's Z-O-O-P. Um, we belong. Um, we have a hashtag, we belong comic that you can find on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. Um, Instagram, Facebook, um, Blue Sky. You can find us all in those areas talking about the book. Um, you can find me. I'm Wonderman5 on Twitter. Um, and I am Prince of Plunder <laughs> on Blue Sky. <laughs> um, and that's taken from um, Eartha Kit, when she says she's the princess of plunder um, as Catwoman. So I took that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. And, um, and I'm also on Instagram as his name is Victor. I should have had everything the same, but I'm an artist. I can't have everything the same. So I'm all of those places. Um, right now, I'm really, really pushing We Belong. Um, so yeah, We Belong is everywhere. You can't, you can't not see We Belong anywhere on the social media we're everywhere um again the hashtag is we belong comic uh, and again go on zoop again being halfway there um actually as we're talking i was going to take a quick look to see where we are but just because yeah, it's september 1st when we're recording this yeah so we are wow so we're way over we're over half um and we have over uh 170 you know supporters so that's really good for us um so yeah support us or tell people about us and you know let's make this thing happen right and so for those of you who are hearing this now because this should be coming out uh september 11th you have until september 14th to be able to put in a pledge yes. so please help make this get past its funding goal by the 14th so Yes. Get out there, folks. Yes, we will greatly appreciate it. <laughs> All righty. So I want to thank you again for this, and we'll have this out as soon as we can. And uh, I know I already put my pledge in. All right. Thank you so much. And, you know, thank you, Perry, for having us on here. This has been really, really delightful. Excellent. So thank you, Victor Kearney. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. Here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. So stay tuned. we got more coming out for you guys as we uh, get into this uh, fall and winter season. So stay safe and back this. <laughs> Bye, folks. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.